You will treat all Marines with the highest level of respect, for we have earned our place as Marines and will accept nothing less than that from you! This is my rifle. There are many like it, but this one is mine. My rifle is my best friend. It is my life. I must master it as I must master my life. Without me, my rifle is useless. Without my rifle, I am useless. What's going on all you crayon eaters out there? Welcome to the first and inaugural Jarhead Podcast. I'm your host, Trey Miller with Ghost Tactical. And today we're going to have our first podcast episode of the Jarhead Podcast. Now, this is something that's been, been going on in the works for a while. I've had a bunch of people over the last year or so say, man, I wish you could kind of do a podcast or some videos talking about stories and maybe getting other people from the Marine Corps and other branches and talk about their stories and all of that. So we decided to go ahead and start a new podcast up called the Jarhead Podcast. Now, obviously, not every episode is going to have Marines on there. We're going to bring some friends in that are SEALs and Rangers and Berets and, and, and different people from different branches, but we're calling it the Jarhead Podcast because... I'm a jarhead, so um, it's it's going to be a lot of Marines and guys that I've served with and others that are friends of mine and all of that, but it's not always going to be Marines. So what we thought we would do today is just discuss what we're going to be doing with this podcast, and then I'm going to go and tell some stories and answer some questions uh, from viewers and all of that and, and kind of give you my story but what we've done is we set up some questions that we're going to ask all of our guests and some of them are in-depth questions and then we're going to have what we call the pit it's more like a mad minute but uh, if you're a marine you know what the pit is but we're going to be a pit and it's going to be a real quick um, you know a bunch of bunch of questions with you know, what's that first thing that pops in your head when you hear this and all that rapid response and all of that. So we're going to uh, have some fun with those. But let's go ahead and get kicked in real quick. And, and we're going to go through the questions that we're going to typically ask our guests. You guys get an idea of what it's going to be. But today is going to be my answer. So a lot of people have been wanting to hear kind of my story. I don't talk a lot about uh, some of the stuff, but um, some of the stuff I, I do talk about, and we'll, we'll have some fun with it at least uh, today. So the first question that we're going to ask is, what motivated you to join the military? And for me, I wish it was a grand thought of serving my country and sense of duty and, and selflessness and all that. But honestly, I, I'd be lying if that was the case. And some of you guys know this, but uh, for me... I got into a really bad place there for a while. I was drinking a lot, doing a, a lot of drugs as an 18-year-old out of high school and, you know, going to college, attempting, if you want to call it that, really wasn't going. But, um, you know, it was just one of those things to where um, I was in a really bad place. And, and it was literally about 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning one morning I was hanging out with my best friend. And... And uh, we were kind of, we, we'd had some people over the last few years, you know, uh, that had died and, and were in serious car accidents and stuff. And, and, and we were just like, man, we've got we've to gotta do something because this isn't really working out. Um, I don't want to end up that way and, and, and all that. And, and all of a sudden, it's like 2 or 3 in the morning, I remember we were listening to Billy Joel. And I'm a big Billy Joel fan, but uh, listening to some Billy Joel and... and 
indulging into substances and all of that and the idea came of joining the military and it was never something that I thought I would do when I was younger I, I wanted to uh, fly I guess it's probably for Top Gun I think every kid in America they wanted to fly fighter pilots for the Navy and so I thought that I was gonna go to the Naval Academy and I was like 15 years old and and realized pretty quickly it's not like you can just go and sign up and you're going to the Naval Academy. Uh, there was a big process and had to get congressmen involved and all that. And it's like, eh, maybe not. Um, so anyways, uh, I decided to join the military. But it was nothing that I ever really thought of. Like I said, there wasn't like a sense of duty for me. It was not patriotism. It wasn't like that. This is uh, 1993, late 1993 when we decided to do this. And... Um, so we went the next day, we went over to the recruiting offices and, and the big shopping center and all that, and they had all the branches over there, and um, he's like, so where are we going to go? And I was like, and this is just me, guys, and, and most of you that know me know that um, I, I'm very competitive, like I'm the guy that's going to cut your throat to beat you in marbles or something, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm that guy, unfortunately, but that's just me, I'm ultra competitive. Um, so in my mind, like I was always pushed myself and I always strive to be the best at everything that I did. And so I basically said, well, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to go the hardest way in. I'm going to go to the Marine Corps. My buddy was like, ah, man, I don't know about that. I don't know if we're going to, I don't know about that. And I said, well, I'm going to go do that. You don't have to, bro, but if you want to, let's go. And uh, ultimately, my friend did not end up going. Um he went into the recruiting office with me and, and talked to the recruiter and all that and then kind of decided kind of last minute eh, right like right when he had to sign the paperwork and all that he's like eh, probably not gonna be for me and I said you know let's do this um, so it was the recruiting office and all that and uh, talk with him and and all that so that's how it started took the ASVAB scored really really high on the ASVAB um, I know that you know, Marines are kind of thought to be as not very smart, but uh, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an okay, intelligent person. Uh, but I scored pretty high. Basically, I was told that I could have any job in the Marine Corps except for uh, a mechanic. And um, needless to say, I think the only questions that I missed on the ASVAB or whatever that, you know, and all that were mechanical questions. So I had no idea. I still to this day, I'm not any good with mechanics and all that so uh, I didn't want to be a mechanic anyway so that was fine with me so um, but you know did all that but really the motivation for me wasn't like I said it wasn't to serve my country it wasn't for the sense of duty it wasn't for anything except for I got in that really really low place in my life and I figured well I'm either going to succumb to this or I'm going to dig myself out of this hole and there it is. So that's kind of my story of how I joined the military. Um, you know, and a lot of questions come in, and we're going to talk about this because every branch is different. But one of the questions we're going to ask um, is like, can you tell me something, a funny story, or something you remember about boot camp? And, and for me, boot camp, you know, Marine Corps boot camp is incredibly difficult. I'm not going to lie. Anyone that says it's easy is is lying to you because it's not. Because it's not just physical. It's not just mental. It's not. It's so many different things um, that you have to be able to bring, take in and compute and decide. This. I mean, it, it's 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 nuts. And you've got people screaming in your ear. You're moving a mile a minute. 
Um, it, it's it's nuts. It, it's it's not easy. Um, but I had honestly, I had a good time in boot camp. Now, obviously, during boot camp, it wasn't so much. But looking back, I, I enjoyed boot camp. For me, it wasn't a physical thing. The physical side of boot camp was not hard for me. And I know that sounds kind of arrogant, but it really wasn't. I was always a good athlete, and um, I was always I was a small guy, but I've always been a strong guy. And so the physical side of boot camp was very very easy for me. Unfortunately, I. Um, for most of you people that know me, I'm a bit of a smartass, and um, so I was. I went into boot camp really worried about getting thrashed because of my mouth. You learn real quickly boot camp that you just don't talk, and um, but I went in there with the mentality of keep your mouth shut for three months, bro. Just just keep your mouth shut, keep your head down, work hard, get through this, and you'll be okay. So. That's ultimately what I did. I ended up being a squad leader there for a while. Um, and I think a lot of it was because of the physical side. The physical side, I, I was I was always good at that stuff. So the obstacle course and all of that stuff and, and the PT and was just easy for me. Um, and it was just for me at that point, it was just mental of can I keep my mind in this and, and, and ultimately knowing that they're not going to kill you. Um, now, I was in the Marine Corps uh, prior to where they can't touch you. I'm not saying that it did or didn't happen, but there might have been some physical altercations uh, through boot camp. And I wanted to avoid that um, as much as possible. I wanted to be under the radar. I, I, I wanted to just do my thing, keep my mouth shut, work hard, earn the title, and let's move on. So that was kind of my mentality. But uh, for boot camp, let's see. The interesting thing about boot camp, and, and uh, no one has ever heard this before, um, because it's not something I ever told anyone, but during second phase, we were out in the field for, I don't know, a couple of weeks at a time, a week or 10 days at this one particular thing where we didn't go back to the barracks. It was outside um, in the field doing humping. We were doing all sorts of night nav. We were doing, I mean, all the stuff that encompasses learning how to be a Marine downrange in the field in the mountains in the desert whatever it is and in, in, in living that way outside of the comforts of barracks and electricity and all that stuff so we learned real quickly how to do all that but we were going one day and um, it was gas chamber day and that was a day that I don't care who you are that was a day that you were kind of excited for but yet you dreaded because you knew that it was going to suck um, and I learned real quick is just embrace the suck. And that's the thing that we say in the Marine Corps all the time, embrace the suck. Because it's, it's going to suck, but you just you got to go and just live with it. Um, so we were, we, were, uh, we were humping. We went doing some weapons training or something. I can't remember exactly, but we were doing some weapons training. Then we had a hump down to where the gas chamber was. In the last probably couple 300 meters from there, you know, we had our packs on, which were about 45, 50 pounds. I understand that in boot camp, I was like 125, 130 pounds going to boot camp. So a 50-pound pack on me was a lot different than it was on someone that was 180, 200 pounds. So um, once again, it wasn't that bad. Um, but we were... We were double time. We were running uh, the last couple hundred meters and all of that, and we were having to go down this little hill. And the biggest thing that they tell you all the time is to hydrate, hydrate, hydrate. And they they force you to hydrate all the time. But when you know the second phase for me was in like 
May, uh, middle of May to middle of June or something like that. So it was it was hot for Calif- Southern California, and I, I I guess I hadn't been hydrating enough or whatever. I don't know. I know that I blacked out and going. I was we were double timing, and I I I I I, I don't remember hitting the ground. I, rem- I I still to this day remember going like that slow motion of oh oh shit here we go. To this very day, I don't remember the next couple of days. Um, I don't remember going through the gas chamber. So people tell me, like, how's the gas chamber? I, I don't know. Obviously, I, I made it through. Um, I, I, I can tell you what um, I remember stories from my guys about the gas chamber, but I don't remember the gas chamber. I I don't know. I, I got overheated, and I was I don't remember the next couple of days. And honestly, um, it was interesting as... Basically, for the next month or so, I couldn't lift my left arm above my shoulder. Like, I couldn't. So, I had to, like, push up my arm with this. So, that made it interesting. But I didn't tell anyone that because I didn't want to get cycled back. I didn't want to get kicked out. I didn't I didn't want to tell anyone. I didn't want anyone to think that, you know, I, I was weak or anything. So, I just didn't say anything. It, it might not have been the, the greatest greatest decision in my life, but um, I don't have any problems now, so it wasn't like any long-term stuff, but for that next month, when we were doing pull-ups and all of that, I had to, like we jumped up, I had to do that and, and just hopefully no one noticed, and no one did, thank goodness, um, but yeah, for the next month or so, I couldn't lift past my shoulder, and I, you know, it was not painful, I just couldn't do it, it was like the nerves were just all jacked up for whatever reason, so uh, I just remember boot camp. I just, I just remember boot camp being fun. Um, it sucked, like I said, but I, I enjoyed boot camp. I was probably one of the few people that actually enjoyed boot camp. But, um, you know, I could go into depth on a lot of different stuff. We might do that some of the time. But ultimately, boot camp was was, was fun for me. Um, like I said, just keep my head down, keep my mouth shut more than anything else, and just do it um, and all that. So where did you serve while you were in the service so i spent time overseas uh, i was stationed um when i got a school so you go to boot camp go to combat training then go to your school and after your school's over with you go to your first duty station and i got luckily i got to choose my duty station and my choices were you know, there's there's three main areas that operate in, in the marine corps it's okinawa japan camp Pendleton, california and camp lejeune north carolina I know I didn't want to go East Coast. Um, I, 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 I didn't want to go over there. I would rather have gone um, to the West Coast, out to Camp Pendleton. Um, but ultimately, my first duty station, I chose Okinawa because I figured, well, in normal life, there's a good chance that I would have never gone to Okinawa. And if I'm going to do this, let's let's experience all of it, right? Let's experience all of it. And so I chose Okinawa. Uh, I said, if I'm going to go over there, let's go over there and have them pay me to be over there. So uh, I chose Okinawa, Japan, and that changed the rest of my life um, for a lot of different reasons. We'll go into that here in a second. But um, So I chose Okinawa, Japan, got attached to, um, was sent over to 3rd Shrig, and there was a battalion called uh, 3rd Combat Assault Battalion, 3rd Cab. But uh, as soon as I got there, I was basically told that I was being attached to the 31st Mew, which is the 31st Marine Expeditionary Unit. And so I spent the first 
you know, I got there in November and I found out that our unit was going downrange in January. And so they were already doing their workup, getting ready for all of that, and I was behind. And so I was 19 years old, uh, didn't know what the hell I was doing, and being basically told that in two months we're heading to a place to, to do some stuff. And um, so that was interesting. So I spent that over there. Went, we went down range for a little bit, came back, went another place, and then went to some different schooling like Sears School and different things and then spent the rest of that year uh, in Okinawa when I got back. I stayed in Okinawa after. It's probably I got back in May. I think it was May. I uh, left in January, got back in May. So um, the rest of the time I was in Okinawa, had a great time, met my now wife. Um, so I loved Okinawa. I, I thought I, I would live there today if, if I could. And, um, you know, jobs and it's, it's expensive and all that. But uh, if I could live over there, I, it's, it's probably my favorite place in the world. I really do love Okinawa. And uh, so I loved it. A lot of people go there and it's called, they call it the rock and all that. But I mean, they hate the rock. I, I loved every time every second that i was in okinawa but i i went out there and and met some people obviously met my wife and and, and all of that but uh just met a lot of really good people and we went out on weekends and camped out we would do scuba diving we do snorkeling we did a lot of things so i really took advantage of my time in okinawa and really loved it it's a beautiful beautiful place so i love that so after uh okinawa came back into camp pendleton and was there until I, I got out in 1998. Um, so, yeah, it was, um, I love Okinawa, I love Camp Pendleton. Being in Southern California was awesome. You know, we lived about a mile or so from the beach, but I think we went to the beach maybe two or three times, like as civilians, two or three times, like ever while we were there, which is funny, my daughter was born there. Um, so it was, um, I loved it, but I was kind of glad to get out and get back to Texas. I uh, grew up in, in Dallas, Texas, a little suburb called Plano. Um, but I was, it was glad to get back into Texas, but I, I, I did love my time in the Marine Where I was, was Okinawa, and in, in Southern California, you really can't beat that, right? So I was very, very lucky. So the next question that we're going to ask is, what rank are you most proud to earn and why? And for me, it was uh, corporal which is E4, and and I don't know about the other branches, but when you make corporal E4 in the Marine Corps, you now become a non-commissioned officer, and for me, that was um, that was the biggest one. Um, for me, I was most proud of that, is to reach that, because the, the Marine Corps, they take pride in, the, the Marine Corps is run by non-commissioned officers. They have officers or staff NCOs and all that, but the heart and soul of a Marine Corps unit is the NCO. So making corporal and being an NCO and all of that um, was really a, a proud moment for me um, and all that. So I would definitely say making E4 and um, becoming taking that next step into a leadership role. So that was really cool. So the next question that we're going to ask our guests is, you know, is there a story that could only happen to you when you're in the military? And I've got stories upon stories, I mean, we all do, of crazy fun times, hanging out and all that, but as far as stuff that would probably only happen in the military, so um, 
This is in Okinawa uh, at Camp Hansen, and uh, Camp Hansen's kind of kind of up north of the island, and uh, kind of in the middle of nowhere. It's little Kenville, is the little, little town right outside, and they got little bars and, and all that. But basically, there's nothing there. You had to go somewhere else down south to Okinawa City or to Naha to, to get to the clubs and, and, and all the people are. But uh, it's kind of like in the middle of nowhere. And um, so we were doing our work up and all of that, and there was an old enlisted club, and it was, you know, I'd been there a couple times, and um, it was just a bar. It was just, it's kind of like what you think of, basically like a redneck bar, but in the middle of a base in Japan. And it was just this old, run-down building and all that. Anyway, so they had uh, built, they were getting ready, I think they had already built it in another place, little location, a new e-club. And so this building that was kind of there in this field that was uh, the current enlisted club, they were going to demolish it and knock it down and all that. And, and so I remember uh, we were told like on a Monday that on Thursday night we were going to uh, do some training and that uh, we were going to basically, our colonel had asked, if we could utilize that old e-club for some training and then we would take care of, of demoing it and they got approved and all that which is kind of cool <clears throat> and um, so what we did is we we were working on hostage rescue and this was on a Thursday night and it was like at 10 or 11 at night so um, it was nighttime most people weren't asleep by then you know but uh, it was uh, there were some I'm sure but um, we utilized it as a hostage rescue. So what we did is we had this building, and inside we uh, we got this girl who was a naval nurse there to volunteer her time to be part of this uh, training operation. <laughs> I don't think she really realized what she was getting into, but anyways, uh, she was going to be the hostage. And so we had um, a, a team of guys inside that were uh, being the bad guys and had the hostage and all of that. And so it was about 10, 10.30 or so at night, and uh, we came in on our CH-53s. Now, if you're familiar with CH-53, it's a pretty big helo, and it's very loud. Um, but it's 10, 10.30 at night, and um, so we come in right over the barracks. You know, I mean, it, 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 people are hanging out the windows going, what the hell? And people down on the ground are looking up and like, what the hell? You know, who's who's got a fucking helo out in the middle of the night on a Thursday night? And uh, we had, obviously they had perimeter around the whole place saying, "Don't get near it; it's going to be a demo site and all of that." And um, so no one was anywhere close where they could get in trouble. But it was just weird at ten o'clock, ten thirty at night, having these helos run in and uh, right over the barracks and all of that. It was pretty pretty cool. Anyway, so we fast rope down um, onto the ground and we set up our perimeter outside the building and, and had sniper overwatches. We had the whole thing. We had a couple sniper overwatches on top of some buildings, uh, barracks and all that. But we had the, we had the whole thing. And uh, we surrounded this building and we were going to go in and, and do a hostage rescue. And uh, so we go in and we make our initial raid. Um, Using you know different things, flashbangs and stuff like that, and, and and working on our CQB and all of that goes into that training. And so we were we were going through, and we found we, we eliminated the threats and all of that. And um, so we, we finally reached the room, 
and she was wired to you know obviously this is all fake this is training practice but she was wired to explosives where if the the chair would would move or uh, I don't I don't, I don't know if there, I don't think there was a weight thing but if the chair moved and all that it was going to trigger blow up everything so we had to take our time and, and cutting wires we had our EOD guys in there and uh, they were going through all of that stuff and, and, and training with their stuff anyway so we finally get her out it took us I don't know 10-15 minutes from the time we first set foot into the building to the time we had her out and practice you know evacuating her getting her with uh, our meds and our docs and our corpsmen getting her treated and all of that get her lifted out of the exfil and all that everything was like a huge training exercise to where we practiced everything and so once we did that then um, so at that point we've got her secured got her being looked at by medical staff and and exfilled out with another helo that came in picked her up and, and took her away with the medical staff and all of that and then um, so then we set up another perimeter way back we said the perimeter we still had uh, sniper overwatch um, all that stuff was still going on it was just crazy and by this time the whole damn base is out there watching us and so it was kind of cool because um, we were it was, it was it was fun put it that way it was fun but the whole damn base was out there at this point and it's after 11 o'clock you know almost midnight and um, and we're doing our thing and so uh, they came in with the explosive explosive guys and this was their chance for them to set off some uh, different demo stuff and all that but um, so they set the building up for demo and um, so that was part of the deal is they were going to demolish this building so our colonel was like well, when we get done we'll take care of it and so we did uh, so our demo guys came in and wired it and all that and we all got back and then boom and it, that building just 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 destroyed it was pretty awesome she kind of shook the ground uh, once again if anyone was asleep at that time they weren't asleep anymore but like I said most of them were by this time were hanging out the windows of the barracks watching and and all of that or they come down and you know people that were out and about they were all on the ground they were just kinda, and they were watching us do our training exercise and this was all um, it's a perfect opportunity to do something like this we're talking about hostage rescue uh, you know flying in fast roping getting set of a perimeter with our, our sniper overwatches and all of that getting set up entering a building doing CQB rescuing a hostage using our EOD guys to come in and be able to take care of the bomb that she was attached to get her secured get her out get her medivac on a helo and it was gone other helos were standing by an LZ still had sniper overwatch and here comes the demo guys they they do their thing they wired up and right before midnight boom uh, the whole damn place shook and it was uh, it was pretty awesome um, at first I thought we were gonna do this on a weekend because it would make more sense right you know because on weekends most guys are gone they're they're you know they're out with their girls their boys and they're, they're at the bars and all that so there wouldn't have been that many people but apparently to do that kind of exercise had to be during working hours and had to give X amount of time to everyone know what we were doing on and it, it was it was it was cool but that was one of the things that um, that training exercise was incredibly awesome and it was right there on base and uh, everyone was watching 
and uh, it was cool. Like I said, I'm 19 years old, years old at this time, and I just remember thinking, "This is this is badass." Like this is what I think of of Marines when I when I think Marine Corps is is just doing cool stuff like this. And like I said, the whole exercise it was over in about an hour and a half, two hours at the most, from start to finish. But yeah, I just remember the first the first thing is is coming in over that base in the helos. And fast roping down, and everyone's hanging out the barracks, going, "What in the hell?" Because helos usually hang around that area. You know, they're they're out outskirts and all that. They don't come in right over the barracks and right in the middle of the base. And uh, they're all like, "What in the hell's going on?" They're looking out the windows, and like I said, by then, you know, everyone kind of came out and they were watching and and all that. We had you know we had people on the ground telling, "Hey, back up, back up, back up. This is a live exercise, live exercise." Anyways, it was pretty cool. So that was uh, that was working up, going uh, over to one of our uh, places that we went, and um, that was about a week or two before we left. So that was, I guess, in December, right before Christmas, as a matter of fact. And um, so that was kind of cool. So that's that's probably the story that sticks in my mind. That a lot of the stories that we have are really cool stories, but. They're not necessarily military, like, you know, you can get your boys and do some of the stuff that we did in, in a tight-knit group, but when it comes down to stories that probably were only going to happen in the military, that's definitely the coolest one as far as a training exercise that I remember was doing that, so there you go. So this is the, uh, the fun part, and, and if you're uh, in the Marine Corps and you hear the word the pit, everyone knows what the pit is, so the pit was during boot camp and uh, if you if you got in trouble whether it's an individual or a squad or the whole damn platoon got in trouble you went to the pit and it was a sand pit outside the barracks and you could be there from five minutes to five hours or a day I mean they're just gonna thrash you and it's just basically you're just doing up downs and your push-ups sit-ups you're you're doing angels upside down with your faces in the sand i mean it's just every it was just you you're gonna get nasty you're gonna get sweaty and it was painful um they were just gonna thrash you and like i said it, it goes on for hours at times and so the pit was never fun you never wanted to uh screw up enough to get thrown to the pit but what we're going to call the pit in the podcast are you know rapid response you know um I'm going to say a couple words, and the first thing that pops in your mind is what we're going to we have. It's supposed to be kind of a, the mad minute, if you will, and we're going to do it this way. So uh, so some of the questions we're going to go through, I'm just going to answer them myself as well. So uh, get some information maybe of, of my thoughts as well so uh, and all that. But here we go. First question is, best and worst MRE? For me, my favorite MRE was the beef stew. And, and it's one of these things where I know it's going to sound gross, but we only had maybe sometimes like three or four to five minutes at the most to eat, especially out in the field and all that. So I would get the pouch of beef stew. They had crackers, they had peanut butter and stuff, and they had all this different stuff. So I open the pouch up of the beef stew. I take the crackers, crumble them up, put them in the beef stew. I know it sounds disgusting, but it actually was good. Uh, then you take the, the peanut butter and you put it in the beef stew as well. Like I said, I know it sounds disgusting. Then you stir it all up and you basically just eat. Well, I can't know. Maybe it was good because I was hungry as hell, and you only got to eat a couple times a day, and it is what it is. Or maybe it was just good. I don't know. But the beef stew for me was the best. The worst, there's a tie. There was the ham steak was, bleh, like, I, I still get nauseous thinking about it right now. And it's a tie between that and... 
and the tuna with noodles. Those were the the worst I've, I've ever tasted. Now, I know there were guys back in the early 2000s that had like a veggie omelet that said that was terrible. I didn't have the veggie omelet. And I think the omelet was only around for like a year uh, because it was so bad. But we didn't have that omelet. Um, but for me, the worst two were the, the ham and the tuna with noodles. They were just, uh, I still, ugh, they're just god awful. I mean, I don't care how hungry you are. Is sometimes if that's what you had, I just probably wasn't going to eat. I was going to eat the crackers. I was going to eat all the stuff that was in it, but I wasn't going to eat the ham or the tuna with noodles because the problem with that is is you're going to regret that a couple hours later, and it was just bad. Uh, the best and the worst place you went. Best place I went by far was Okinawa. I uh, loved it there. It was awesome. Uh, the worst place I went, I had to go to a school for a little bit in Carolina um, and like I said I that's why I, I didn't want to go to Camp Lejeune uh, nothing against the East Coast but I did not like that area of the Camp Lejeune area um, and I went to some pretty bad places but um, it sounds bad but I'll, 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 I'll take East Africa over <laughs> Camp Lejeune I guess I just did not I did not like the area. I don't know why. Something about it. I just didn't like Camp Lejeune area. So uh, go figure. I think some people that know me know some places I went. I said that I'll probably pick a couple of those. No, I'm gonna pick Camp Lejeune. Uh, favorite weapon to shoot? It's probably gonna be um, a tie. And I know it's hard to do that, but um, there's there's there are two. Uh, the MP5, I love shooting the MP5, um, and then a Mark 19, which was a fully automatic grenade launcher, and it was it was a bad, bad man. If I had to choose one, I'd probably choose the Mark 19. I mean, who the hell doesn't want to shoot? I want to say like a 40 millimeter grenade, fully automatic. I mean, it, and it was it would take out tanks. It was, I mean, it was, and it's just it's taking them out hundreds of yards down there it was awesome uh, that was probably the coolest thing I ever shot the, the mp5 was a very very close second for sure uh, favorite superhero favorite superhero for me is probably gonna be Batman um, and I, I don't really have a reason why uh, I I would never been a comic book guy. I've never read a comic book in my life um, but the first kind of superhero I, we watched the Superman movie it was with Christopher Reeve when I was young um, but the first kind of like big superstar superhero movie that I, I really enjoyed was uh, Batman with Michael Keaton and all that. So I've always kind of been a Batman fan. Of the modern ones, uh, probably Thor, but it's not because of Thor's character. It's probably because of Chris Hemsworth. I think he does a great job playing Thor. He's hilarious. Uh, but modern day is probably going to be Thor, but overall I'd say probably Batman is my favorite superhero. Uh, what was my first car? First car uh, was a 1965 Mustang, and my grandfather had had left a little bit of money when he died. He died when I was 13, and he left a little bit of money for my first car. He had an old Firebird that I wanted, a silver Firebird that I really loved that car. But my aunt ended up getting that when he died. Um, but he left me a little bit of money to go help with my first car and, and bought a 1965 Mustang. And I had it up until probably about five, six, I don't know, about eight years ago. 
Um, I didn't drive it much after the first couple of years and all that, but uh, that was my first car. A pretty cool first car, 1965 Mustang. Really, really love that. So the next question is, is if you could play out any movie character in real life, who would it be? Any movie character in real life, who would it be? And and I actually wrote these questions without really thinking about my own answers. Um, so I guess if I if I could play out a movie character in real life, it'd probably be Han Solo. Um, one, I would get to be a smart ass. Um, get to be a smuggler with a really really cool uh, ship. Um, whatever they call it. I guess they call it a ship, yeah. Uh, really, really, the Millennium Falcon would be awesome to have. Your best friend's a freaking Wookiee. I mean, who wouldn't want Chewbacca as your best friend? And you get the girl. Uh, you get Princess Leia. I mean, that's, that in itself is is worth it right there is to get Princess Leia. But uh, I think that Han Solo is probably like the coolest character maybe ever. And so if I, if I could play out any movie character in real life, it would probably be Han Solo. Uh, and the last one we're going to ask, we ask this a lot, is is a hot dog a sandwich? And to me, hell no, a hot dog is not a sandwich. Um, and I don't care what anyone out there says. In my opinion, the hot dog is not a sandwich. So, guys, I hope you enjoyed the first episode of the Jarhead Podcast with a special guest, me. But we wanted to kind of talk about what we're going to be doing with the podcast, go through some of the ideas and, and the questions that we're going to ask. And we did that with people asking me some of my stories. So I utilized that to kind of tell my story and all of that. But the whole Jarhead podcast is going to be getting people in from obviously the Marine Corps. But we're going to bring in, like I said, some SEALs, some Rangers, some Braves, some guys, some friends of mine that are in different branches, bring them and tell their story. You know, why they joined, what was kind of their story of in while they're in the military and how did the military affect the rest of their lives that it helped them become successful in life after the military and what this is going to do is hopefully if someone's thinking about joining the military we can give them some ideas of what to look forward to and if you're in the military now think about transitioning out you get ready to retire you may have some questions maybe some of these guys can help you learn some things about transitioning as well mostly uh, for entertainment wise a lot of people that uh chose not to or were never able to uh, join the military a lot of people always want to know what it's really like because you see movies and all that and it's not always real indicative of how it really is um, we train hard and all that but most of our time was training or downtime and how do we how do we do that how, how do we do our downtime and so that, that was kind of the biggest thing is uh, I can tell you from our experiences we partied pretty hard we had a really really good time you know, we, 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 we worked hard and then we played hard and um, so that was really uh, I, I looking back I am so proud to be a United States Marine that's something that no one could ever take from me and I know that people make fun of the Marines a lot don't really care um, they know the truth they know who we are they know what we can do and they know um, what we stand for and I think that's the biggest thing is we actually do have a creed Semper Fidelis always faithful and you'll always have Marines each other have each other's backs and that's something that's really really cool you have this built-in brotherhood even if you serve at different times and went different places and all of that you just have that built-in brotherhood and that understanding of, of you can look at someone in the eye and say, that's my brother, or that's my sister, or whatever. 
Um, and you never have to worry about that. So that's the coolest thing. And I don't know if that's the case in all the other branches. I know that we're typically looked at as the closest, most tight knit, but we're also the smallest. You know, around 200,000 Marines is all there ever is at one single time, where you have the armies at well over a million, Air Force over a million, Navy's at least half a million, three quarters of a million people. So we're by far the smallest, but we're also uh, the most lethal, the most feared, and the most efficient fighting service and fighting group in the world. And there's a reason, and I know it sounds arrogant, and um, I don't care. You go ask the other branches, and they ask them their true feelings, who's the best of the best, and they're going to say as, as a branch, the Marine Corps is the best, and, and that's just something that we've earned that. And um, I love, well, I'll make fun of the Army, the Navy, you know, we call the Army the doggies, the doggies, dogs, whatever you want to call them. We call the Air Force, we call them fly boys or the chair force. Um, and then we call the Navy squids, and, and they call us jarheads. What they don't realize is we look at that as a term of endearment. We, we, we embrace that. Uh, we like being called jarhead or leatherneck and, and all of that. That's something that uh, you can't make fun of someone if it's not insulting to us. So we've learned to embrace all of that. And uh, we make fun of other branches. They make fun of us. But ultimately, it comes down to there's ultimate respect for anyone who served. And um, no matter where you served or who you served with, what branch you served and all that, you're good to go on my book. And I might give you shit, but when it comes down to it, I've got your back and they'll have mine. Um What's interesting is, you know, we'll be around a bunch of people sometimes and we're all smoking and joking and uh, just talking trash to other guys about, oh, I'm just a squid, or you're just a dog, you're just a fly boy, you know, and they're, you know, you're just a jarhead, we're making fun of each other, and then some guy that never served tries to jump in, don't do that, don't do that, because you're going to find yourself surrounded by everyone at that point, and um, so if you're ever in that situation, and you see a bunch of guys, and you're not a veteran or whatever, and you see a bunch of guys giving each other shit, don't jump in, please don't, because it won't work out well for you, uh, and all that, but uh, yeah, so that was episode one of the Jarhead podcast, we're going to have these coming out as, as soon as we get them recorded, I've got a bunch of people already lined up. And as soon as we get them recorded and all of that, we're going to get them out there. If they do a video, there will be a video. If not, we'll we'll do an announcement somewhere in the video. But it'll always be on the podcast services, iHeartRadio. Uh, just look up. It'll be under the, the Armed Citizen Podcast stuff. So if you look up Armed Citizen Podcast or Ghost Tactical on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google, Apple, Amazon, Stitcher, all of those, these are going to pop up. But we'll always put links out there to the newest episodes and all that. So uh, make sure that you are subscribing to us on YouTube. Get all the notifications there. Instagram. Instagram's a great one. I love using Instagram. So check us out over on Instagram. Um, Facebook, our Facebook page, you know, either the Armed Citizen Podcast page or Ghost Tactical. All those links are going to be in the description below. We'll make sure you get all of those out there. But uh, that's where you'll be able to find out the newest episodes and all that. So, guys, thank you so much. Uh, thanks for embracing the suck with us for the inaugural podcast. We can't wait to have more of them. And uh, we'll see you in the next one. Simplify. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the podcast. If you liked it, share it with a friend and leave us a review over on Apple Podcasts. We're available anywhere you can get your podcasts like Spotify, iHeartRadio, you name it, we're there. And also make sure to check out our swag shop on our website, ghosttacticalproductions.com.